Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris and Ben for Outer Rim Transmission, episode 124. Tonight, we are breaking down episode 7, Dreams and Madness of Ahsoka. We have the trial of Hera, and we have the emergence of Ahsoka to a new galaxy, as well as a standoff with Sabine and Ezra versus the Night Troopers and more. So much to dive into this week. Milton couldn't join us, but he will be with us for our big finale next week. But how's it going? I got Ben with me. How's it going, man? Good, good. I mean, it was a it was a nice weekend. I was getting a little chillier in the fall time of year. Had a nice um, like pot roast and roasted vegetable like stew tonight for dinner, so that was really good. And then you know, I was just looking forward to talking about this episode. I mean, it's. It's it's crazy we're this far into the series already. It's like holy smokes! It feels like it was just yesterday we were starting the show, and now it's like we're already, you know, we're ending the show in two days. So it's just crazy we're up up to this point. And I, uh, you know, I think we had a good good penultimate episode to get us to this point. Oh yeah, this episode, as we'll get into, is very much a lot of setting things up, table setting episode, if you will. A lot of great oh. action, for sure. But yeah, we definitely have the chess pieces where they need to be. Oh yeah, this... You can tell with uh, with the way Dave did this episode, and I mean, just the way that Dave and everybody on, that worked on this project did this episode, this was definitely your your classic penultimate episode for a television show versus like how, say like... I mean, we always point to Game of Thrones, but yeah. Game of Thrones always does the... Game of Thrones always does kind of your big booming stuff in the penultimate versus the mm -hmm. finale so you know they just took like the you know just the the normal tv model for yeah. any other show just the penultimate like like this is how arrow did it like you know i just finished up like you know um the first season of arrow a while back and like that's how they do it like they build up it's like okay you get kind of like you know you're you're building up points for all your all your different characters leading into the big mm -hmm. payoff so like this show is no different. Like, they took that exact same beat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, attending to some house business or whatever you want to say. Oh, my gosh. I am totally just throwing it off. Sorry. If you haven't realized, we had tech issues and um, just happy recording in general tonight. Um, good old Discord strikes again. Uh, getting into some housekeeping. If you are listening to this episode on a podcast like google Podcasts or spotify or apple you can also watch us live around 7 p.m eastern on sundays we are chatting live you can catch us and discuss things with us as we are talking in the chat and if you are watching of course just search outer room transmission on any podcast streaming service if you feel like you know listening to us without you know having youtube open you can go ahead you can do things uh, without actually having to keep the, the tab open and running your battery dry if you're just you know driving or if you're at the gym or anything like that go ahead but we would love for you guys to join us live so things that came out this week we have a big one the return of Quinlan Voss into Dark Horse Comics. This was a fun one. Of course, this is Hyperspace Stories, which is an all-age book. Um, we have that one that was released. We also had Dr. Rafferty number 36. Now, I talked about both of these comics on the usual weekly review roundup on the channel. You can watch that now. And recently, in the last month or so, me and Matthew from Ion Cannon, part of the Star Wars Underworld network have been breaking things down a little bit more detail every thursday around 12 15 p.m eastern time we're going to be breaking down whatever comics came out that week in particular so there you go you can watch my video that comes out that morning on thursday and then tune in on your lunch break for me and him to break it down in even more detail so yeah that's been going going strong we've been having a lot of fun over there oh yeah i mean that's a that's a good way for like people to like stay caught up on like the comics and you know just to um you know just to stay you know get informed about them each week versus like just having to you know like if they if they don't have time to read all of them or whatever like it's good that like you guys are like you know going into much more detail than just say like a normal like five minute review or, or something heck yeah heck yeah so getting into it without wasting any time since I already wasted about 30 minutes, if you're listening to this on a podcast, like, yes, through the power of editing, we got it there. But um, 
basically this episode you got a lot of things going on you got a court scene you got like this crazy scene in space which is really fun you got a showdown with stormtroopers there's so much that happens in this one little 40 something minute episode what'd you think initial impressions ben i mean my initial impressions to this episode was i thought it was a really good penultimate episode i think it did its job to like lead into the finale like it introduced different story points for you know um, for all the characters really for you know starting off with ahsoka and and our heroes like it, it introduced um you know different story elements to them now they are having to deal with like thrawn and the troops and you know they have to deal with them basically trying to like get out of that get out of peridia to get back to the normal galaxy and then you have thrawn who is you know thrawn and the witches they're trying to escape as you know they're trying to escape so you mm-hmm. have the heroes trying to stop them thrawn trying to escape and then you also have um the storyline between balin and shin introduced where with shin you know basically getting dismissed by balin to go work with the empire and then we have the you know so we have the story thread of even shin's arc like what's going to happen with her in the next episode because it's like is she going to actually go to the bad guys or is she going to go you know and go with the good guys because when she when ahsoka talked to her she seemed hesitant at first so you know you have that and then you also have balen's storyline of what in the world is calling out to him like like that is so intriguing in and of itself and i i really hope they address that in this finale because it's it's interesting because it's like it's either balen's like ambitions um, he doesn't want someone else to be there for like his glory moment, or you know maybe it's like he like he senses whatever it is is like really dangerous, and he doesn't want something to happen to Shin, you know. So like there's a lot of different angles we can go here and story points that we can like jump mm-hmm. on as we break down this episode through the show tonight, and it's like there there's just so many different things to talk about. Oh yeah, let's start in chronological order as we always do, but first I'll give my impressions. So. I enjoyed this episode, but I did think it was very predictable. I I, I was really hoping, oh, yeah. as we often compare, maybe it's a little bit unfair to compare like with the Game of Thrones or some of the other shows, like the penultimate episodes, a lot of times are like the big parts of the story. And then, they're, then that last episode of the season is more or less like the resolution. It's a little quieter, stuff like that. So, I mean, I was, I was really thinking we would get a little bit more oomph out of this one. Everything, I was just, it kind of went as foreseen um definitely got a lot of really great character moments in there really pivotal stuff but i guess i was feeling a little bit just uh maybe i had it built in my head a little bit too much which you know has happened to us many times before as milton will say for me specifically and me ben ben as well but yeah i i I really liked just the overall scope of this episode and and just the idea of juggling between these different character plot lines, you're jumping from the bad guys with Thrawn, you're jumping from the perspective of Ahsoka, you're jumping to the perspective of Ezra and Sabine, to Hera. So um, back with the first episodes of Mandalorian, we never did any of that, right? Mandalorian season one, you never got to see any other perspective. It was just always focused on Grogu and Mandalorian. And now you see where we are, and this is a proper TV series here as far as like, this is kind of what you expect when you watch other things like i don't know just walking dead or better call saw or something like just like several characters that you're following so this is that star wars tv proper that we are in and you just said this is kind of the run of the mill for the kind of penultimate episode for the most part but yeah let's start with that court scene because i don't think we've seen many court scenes in star wars at all at least in canon and at least in tv series so I was getting a kick out of this. The fact that somebody's saying objection in Star Wars, it's like, wait, wait a second. What what is going on here? So I don't know if that kind of thought dawned on you, Ben, about this the whole idea of like this judicial system in the New Republic and what that could mean and and if that's even necessary and, and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean I uh I don't know, I thought it was I thought it was a good scene overall. Like I I didn't, I guess I didn't even really think about like the whole objection thing and like just that sort of stuff, like, like, um, you know, that being in Star Wars. Cause I felt like the scene worked, so it didn't like stand out to me like in a bad way. So, uh, you know, I thought the scene was really good. It was great, like seeing, of course, Mon Mothma, um, the one dude from Resistance, 
Um, and of course, Hera. And like that whole that whole sequence I thought was done really well. And it finally like of course we like we as hardcore fans know all these shows are in the Mandoverse. But now like this is one of the big moments. Of course we've seen Ahsoka in like Boba Fett or like, you know, things like that crossing over. But now like we even get more of the interconnectivity when you have Carson Tiva mention, you know, yep. the events that happened in Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. So like so like it's cool getting that kind of like payoff per se for like the Mandoverse stuff. Because that was always one of the fun parts, you know, for anyone who's listened to our podcast for any stretch of time, me and Milton always reference the Arrow show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was always such a nice thing, like in in Arrow, when they would reference something happening with the Flash, and, you know, it's in, like, the other show. So, like, it it's always a nice payoff for, like, you know, people that had watched the Flash. So it's kind of like that. It's like a cool little payoff for us who've watched The Mandalorian. It's like, oh, cool, Carson Teva mentioning that stuff. So it's like... You know, it's a nice payoff, and it sets the table of when this show is taking place. So that's another, you know, big time point as well. So, uh, you know, those are my initial impressions, I would say, of the court scene. I just thought it was done really well, and it felt, um, yeah, it just felt like a good, like a good Star Wars court scene. And it was great getting to see Mon Mothma, like, in person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I thought Mon Mothma would be just like a quick cameo in that first or that second, whatever, the third episode, I think it was. So the idea now that we get to see a lot more of Genevieve O'Reilly, we've seen her in three different scenes, one as a hologram in Home 1, one as a little tiny hologram in the the ship there, the T-16, whatever it is, and then one here in actual physical being. So yeah, it's neat that, you know, Star Wars happened to be having this production timelines of andor which is also f- which is filming in england and then yeah so i'm wondering i guess they flew her to la right because ahsoka's filmed all in la at the yeah from what i know yeah from what i know of it's it's mostly filmed um what's the location but yeah yeah it's filmed out there oh that's interesting okay so it wasn't as easy as oh you're you're already here today let's just get you on this other scene like she probably had to fly halfway around the world to get there but hey that's star wars for you but no, that's great. It's it, it's cool. I put out a video saying, hey, Admiral Akbar is back. Isn't that great? Admiral yep. Akbar. We get to see the guy getting some R&R. He's not really on an active duty cruiser. And I was that actually answered my question because I was like, why are we going to home one several times and there's no appearance of Admiral Akbar? So I guess it's safe to assume at this point that Hera basically just owns the the home one now, you know? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, she's a general and maybe, you know, maybe like Akbar is like more of like a pseudo uh, kind of like a like a retiree type character now yeah. or something at this point. Like like more like a um, kind of more like Tom Cruise and like Top Gun, Top Gun 2, you know, it's something like that. Maybe he's more of just like, you know, call me if you if you really, really, really need me or something yeah. like like with the whole Thrawn <laughs> thing, like like I think. There's a chance we see more uh-huh. of Akbar and all the Mandoverse stuff once Thrawn is like a big threat to the actual galaxy again. Yeah, it's interesting because they didn't actually, um, he doesn't actually speak, right? So it makes you wonder. Uh, he didn't speak in The Last Jedi either, and it's because the voice actor passed away. So it makes you wonder if they, if they ever do need him, if they'll just, you know, go ahead and recast a, a voice actor or something. Because they've had other actors play him, I think, in, like, Lego specials and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, to me, when it comes to that whole, like, topic of, like, recasting and everything else, like, I think that's something, um, like, it shouldn't be an issue in Star Wars, but it, it always comes up as, like, it's, it's like, always a debate with the fans, like, oh, should we recast? Should we do CGI with characters? Should we do AI voices? Should we do this or that or the other thing? But to me, like, at this point now with Star Wars, it's like, hey, I mean, we're watching Genevieve O'Reilly play Mon Mothma and not complaining about it. So, like, it's like, just let, to me, if if we need to recast, like, voices or characters, like, I would rather them do that than make some, like, Luke was great in all his appearances and stuff. But the only thing is, I don't think that can hold up for a two and a half hour movie, for example. So... 
like I feel like you gotta recast um, when it comes to like voices or actors or things like that when it comes to these things. And I think that's what's gonna, you know, it's gonna end up being a debate when it comes to even say like the Balin stuff long term. I think there's a chance we we have that same discussion. And I've seen a lot of people just a quick early early name I've seen people throwing out there as a fan casting, which I would love would be Gerard Butler. I think he would be perfect perfect for that role. Oh wow! Okay. Like, I've seen so many people say that, and now that I've seen, like, people fan cast that, it's like, oh, man, he would be really good as, as Balin, I think. He was Leonidas in 300, right? Yep. Oh, my gosh, yeah, he's like a spitting image yeah. of Ray I think, and, and, and Gerard Butler's tall and, like, like he's, like, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, like, like Ray Stevenson was. Whoa. But, but, yeah, anyways, back to, like, the whole whole Akbar stuff. I think the Akbar appearance was great. And then, of course, like, we can't, like, we can't go, we can't talk past the scene without bringing up, like, the star that appeared in the scene. Um, gosh, I was not expecting <laughs> 3PO to appear. And, like, the way they did 3PO, I think, was genius because, like, for one, it's great, like, they gave 3PO kind of his, like, sassy attitude back. Mm. And then it's, like, almost like... <sighs> not like he he knows he's a, a celebrity droid almost but like you know he even said like you know you know who i am i'm c-3po blah blah like you know he basically was like flexing his stardom like to get in there and and talk and like make a case so it was cool in that and then of course um anthony daniels playing the voice was was excellent and uh yeah like just the way they did um you know what do you think chris about the way they did the scene i think they did a good job of dancing around the leia stuff i think they answered it good enough like giving an explanation they i'm glad they gave us an explanation as to why leia wasn't there versus just leaving it totally untouched so it was good they they um they did it in the way they did yeah maybe i missed something so what was the reason they gave for her not being there um the, he, he said that she was like on a like a military console mission or something. Oh. It was something with like, um, cause she's cause she's over like the military, you know, something to do with like the military. Um, like she's yeah. overseeing like parts of the military is mm -hmm. what it is. Like, she, oh, okay. so she, and she was doing something with that. So that's why, you know, she sent three PO there to represent him. And also another thing that came out of this entire sequence with, um, three PO and, you know, coming to Hera's defense and everything that I picked up on as well is Hera's like talking with Leia, like you know, like Mon Mothma literally asked Hera directly, like, "What are you and what are you and Leia up to?" Yeah. So that means, so that means Hera's been working with Leia, at, you know, up to this point potentially. Oh yeah. So yeah, so it's like, are we gonna? I, I I don't know. I feel like eventually they have to show us Han, Luke, and Leia in. I mean, it won't be in this season of this show, but I'm guessing it'll probably be Dave's movie. But with all this talk, like with all these galactic galactic events going on, we're gonna have to get the most important figures in Star Wars at some point. Yeah, so it goes all the way back to Leia's relationship with Hera back in Leia was sixteen on that Mercy mission to whatever yep. planet I was. That's when we first seen those old Republic cruisers come back in a cannon, which was really neat, and they were impounded and. They were trying to get those for the re early rebellion. That was a really cool episode. I really do enjoy that one. So, yeah, they've got a shared history. And they both have, like, they are both behaving a similar way. They both are very much mavericks. And they kind of go against the grain to get done what needs to get done, whether or not people actually see enough to know what is happening out there. So it makes perfect sense that Hera is, like, the same type as Hera. Like, remember, like, 20 years later, Leia's going to have to go against the 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 government in the the bloodline novel to create the resistance same things happening here with her she's creating her own small resistance with uh the specter i think it was they called it specter squad right when it was yeah, the so. going out yeah so it was great it was like that's a call back to, to rebels it's awesome so yeah it makes perfect sense but yeah it's like typically when star wars like starts doing these name drops unless it's quinlan voss they usually <laughs> show up eventually so you know and here's yeah. the thing it's like you're kind of skirting around this or, or, or touching this a little bit. The idea of like what warrants the use of like a CG character versus 
the live action character, right? If it's going to be like a two minute scene, just CGI the thing and get it yeah. over with. If it's going to be a two hour worth, yeah, you might want to recast because it's going to just get people rubbed the wrong way. But then if it's only a two minute scene, is that scene even really warranted to begin with to have that character there? Can you have somebody like a C-3PO um, there to kind of relay the information and you still get the presence of Leia felt? And I think that's a, yeah. a good decision in this particular instance because I could have seen they could have easily, or not easily, but they could have also just put a CG Leia in there, talked a little bit, and I could already see a lot of the criticism like, oh, they could totally wasted her on just like a simple exposition thing. Like, that's not really worth it. But if it's like, if it's a huge moment, uh, you know, then, then okay, what are they going to do? So I, I did like yeah. the choice they did here. Oh, yeah, my... Yeah, I, I like the choice of just kind of playing the cards close to their vest. And like you said, the, the payoff usually happens. I mean, look, it took us like a year and a half or longer, but we eventually saw Boba Fett after seeing his shoes in episode four or five of Mando season one. So, you know, like we, we, we get the payoffs eventually. It's just a matter of time when. And like, you know, the fact that they accomplished Luke is is big I think eventually we'll get our three characters. I do see this is where I kind of like get get muddied on this stuff is like I would prefer the recast just because it would it would offer a lot of storytelling opportunities because then you know if you say if you recast young young actors right now you can tell mm -hmm. Han Luke and Leia stories forever then you know or another twenty five years if you want to really um, but like. So you have that that's my thing with it and it's like you already have Harrison or you not you already have Han Solo you already have Alden and Alden's the perfect age to play Han Solo post Jedi so it's just a matter of like maybe even grabbing the guy who plays the body of Luke and Mando like cuz the the guy looks similar to Mark Hamill to begin with without the CGI so you know, if, if he can just act, if you can give him, I don't know, give him some acting lessons or something just to, like, do some solid Jedi acting and then, you know, grab a Saleya actress, you know, we're off and running. It's just, it's just, I think if you don't do that, it can limit your storytelling opportunities because this is the issue that Dave has in hand. And I'm sure, you know, Dave, Dave hasn't, like, failed us yet, so I have faith in him on this. But if you're, like, logistically... If you're introducing Thrawn coming back to our galaxy, like, because, I mean, I, I'm guessing Thrawn's not going to get killed in the next episode. I would, I would be very surprised. Um, but if you're, if you're introducing Thrawn getting back to our galaxy, like, he's, he's a scale, like, he's a threat as high mm -hmm. of a, you know, he's yeah. the highest scale of threat that you could have next to the Emperor or Vader being back. So you have to logistically include Han, Luke, and Leia, because because what are you going to do? Say they're off on vacation when Thrawn's invading the galaxy, you know? So mm. it's just like, yeah. I don't know. Dave Dave's in a really tough spot, and I I'm sure he'll figure out a creative way to do this. But I think it's inevitable. I think we're going to see all three of them, but it could just end up being say in the movie. Hmm. If I had to guess, yeah, I think uh, that's where they have the biggest budget to do anything, right? So that's going to help uh, with whether it be getting those big names to be playing those characters, wanting that money, or the development of the research to improve the CGI or the deepfake. Yeah, all oh, right. Yeah. I did not expect to spend that long on a court scene, but there you go. It's, uh, I think it's kind of fun to just talk about the, the real-life kind of nuances that Star Wars brings, even if it is over 40 years later, we're getting our kind of first court scene i mean i'll count the senate scene but this is more of like the court, court scene you would actually see in like uh, flipping through the cable channels on your tv right? i mean she was gonna get rep um what not reprimanded what's it called court-martialed court -martialed. yeah she was gonna get court-martialed yeah that's like literally a legal thing like so you know it was it was legit we could have seen her like going off to jail or something in this episode yeah so, what do you think about Thrawn this episode? Let's open it up to that part of the, the episode, because this felt a lot like Rebels, where we see moments in Rebels where Thrawn is like, yeah, it's unfortunate that happened, but my overall plan will combat the endgame here. So there was a little bit of that going on, like, but I overall think that 
we're going to see the plan to his fruition here. Well, we kind of already did, right? Like he's specifically using Sabine and Ezra's bait for him to just finish his plans that we still don't know exactly what the plans are. But I did get that Thrawn feeling. I did get that Thrawn like representation that works in this one. What about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like this definitely feels like the Thrawn that we've kind of been like wanting and expecting to get like you know just the cunning smart thrawn like it's like oh so you know going back to the episode prior like you know he let sabine go people you know so many people talked i i saw a lot of chatter online not really negative but like almost like questioning like why would thrawn just go and let sabine leave like you know that makes no sense blah 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 and now it's paying off because he was using her as bait to get ahsoka away from his operation so I like what they did there with him. Um, you know, Lars, of course, is just killing it as Thrawn. Like he, I don't know. I, I'm like I'm listening to the um, the first duology book of the original Thrawn Thrawn books, and like it's just crazy. Like listening to these books, you know, legends, canon, whatever. It's just I would have never in a million years imagined us getting a live action Thrawn. So it's just to me, it's just incredible every time we see him on screen. And then like my thing with him is though. I feel like in this episode, just the way Thrawn is with, like, okay, so, you know, he's, like, planning and cunning and everything, but I don't know about you, Chris, but it feels like when, like, when, when the witches were with him and stuff, when he was talking about his plans and whatnot, like, it seemed like they weren't, like, Morgan Ells, it it just seemed like they were just like, uh uh-huh, yeah, like, you know, just kind of, like, going with it versus, like, actually buying into the plan, you know what I mean? So... I don't know. It's it's really interesting because I think there's more to the the Night Sisters than what meets the eye with Thrawn. Um, because of that reason, like maybe they're eventually gonna like question him long term or something. But uh, but yeah, I really like what they're setting up there with his character and then just the the Night Sisters as like kind of ancillary characters around him as well. Yeah, the Night Sisters. I'm still waiting for that green magic. I. <laughs> It was interesting that they could just use their force magic to make a graph or an image and be like, she is right there. That that was interesting. But, oh man, I loved how Filoni put in that kind of Empire Strikes Back callback to Luke and Leia connecting through the force in a moment of peril, in a moment of desperation and need. Um, and destiny and, and having even though Sabine you know we know she's not the strongest Jedi Padawan she still connects to the force it's one of the biggest force things we've seen her do yet she can't force push or anything but she can inherently tap into the force with the connection between her and her master so I really liked that and I didn't see that one coming talk about a moment where I was like oh now that is a nice surprising moment for me Oh yeah, that was a big surprise for me, just because it was it was like all right, like we're actually, you know, fan. It's just like I feel like that's almost Dave's moment of like, hey guys, get ready, she's gonna have the force, so like prepare, you know, because you know she at this point she's definitely definitely has it or is going to show she has it, unless then again, unless it's gonna end up being kind of like a a Leia thing, you know, where it's just like Leia touches taps yeah. into it. And isn't really just like, you know, lightsaber swinging in Return of the Jedi or something like, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just more like Leia where she can like sense stuff like that versus actually, you know, performing force stunts and force like acrobatics and things. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of, you know, Jedi with different strengths and weaknesses. And there are a lot of Jedi out there that are not particularly ones that want to be craving combat, but they can, you know help kind of manipulate a battle by using things like battle meditation just slipping into a trance and like providing support for others so what's to say she's not kind of that kind of jedi you know she could tap into something that she's not used to yet but she is one damn good fighter of blasters so it's neat seeing a jedi or a jedi pupil that is so reliant on blaster pistols it's kind of and a mandalorian to at boot too that's that's really neat Oh, yeah, and it makes you wonder as well, like, long-term, does Dave have it planned, like, eventually, like, long-term, maybe in, like, a Mandalorian season or a second season of this show, like, are we going to get to a scene where it's, like, 
you know, we've said for so long, I mean, I mean, I've said it plenty of times, like the Mandalorian title it probably means Grogu instead of Din Djarin, but it makes me wonder if long-term Sabine ends up being the first Mandalorian Jedi. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's it, the, the chart, it, it's going towards that trajectory. It's definitely going through that trajectory for sure. One moment that I really liked in this, and this brings up that lost dialogue or the missing dialogue from one of the trailers, is we get to see a hologram of Anakin training Ahsoka. And I think one of us was talking, like, is that the last time we've seen Anakin in episode five? And, well, technically it was not. And it's really great seeing him again in the Clone Wars garb. Looks so great. Doesn't look like he aged a day, man. They did a great job with makeup. And if they are using CGI, it's very smooth. I can't even tell. But, uh, and of course, it is a hologram, so in that case, it does hide a lot of things anyway. But what'd you think about that? Oh, yeah, I thought it was great. Like, it was so nice seeing Hayden, even just as a hologram, especially, like, more Clone Wars Hayden. Like, that's just so cool that we're getting, like, Clone Wars Hayden popping into this series. And, uh, you know, the fact that he was, like, teaching Ahsoka a lesson, that was really neat. And it just makes you wonder... Um, you know, they're, they're with what they're doing with Anakin, like, there's so many opportunities they have with him now since Hayden's back in the fold. Like, I mean, heck, you could do plenty of, plenty of, um, you know, Hayden Christensen hologram appearances. Like, who's to say, like, long term, for example, like, say we get to the Filoni movie and, like, whatever happens wraps up. Luke has his academy. What if it cuts to Luke and it's not even like a dialogue scene? What if, what if like Luke is standing with a bunch yeah. of students in front of a Hayden Christensen, you know, hologram, like oh. you know, giving a lesson? Like think about that, like stuff like that. I think, I think just little things like this hologram leaves plenty of creative opportunities for Dave, like wow. that, like you know, a, a hologram in Luke's academy, a hologram, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it leaves us plenty of opportunities for appearances. And since Hayden's in the fold, it's great. And like, you know, just the fact that this whole scene, it wasn't just like a hologram, you know, he was like, still like the lesson was like being more taught to Ahsoka. Like, of course, in that time period, Anakin was trying to teach her about the Clone Wars, but now it's basically teaching her about, you know, her upcoming fight versus Thrawn and the Night Sisters, and, you know, indirectly teaching her about that stuff, too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, can you imagine? There's, I think I, I somebody mentioned it was like that's number nineteen of twenty or the last one of twenty or something like that. So there's plenty of other ideas. Uh, again, like Luke, that could be a way he sees what his father looks like all the time. So well, he's seen a Force ghost of him. So of course, the Return of the Jedi. But um, obviously, the most time I want to spend on this, or it might not be obvious, it's just this whole moment between Ezra between Sabine first of all that is something so far-fetched for Star Wars but it also feels so right for Star Wars of just like the idea of them like on these like little like they're they're on like a migration trail or something with these creatures and uh they're just having a good conversation between the two of them it's like you know, Sabine just laying out the cards like, hey, the Empire got destroyed. We're pretty sure the Emperor died. Like, little funny stuff like that. Where it just, like, it just goes to show you, like, Ezra has been totally cut off from everything so far out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, just talking about, like, this stuff with Sabine and Ezra, you know, this is something, like, I think we mentioned on last week's podcast. Last week I was saying, like, this is the most George Lucas, star one of the most George Lucas Star Wars episodes we've gotten. Like, this week was definitely a George Lucas episode of this show. Like, just everything that took place, yeah. I feel like, like, this is something George Lucas would have done. Like, 100%. Um, and, you know, this whole stuff with, like, Ezra and Sabine, like you said, it was a good conversation with them. Like you said, they're on, like, pretty much like a migration trail, I guess. Um, and, you know, they're doing a really good job with i feel like with the with the um like the chemistry between the two actors that play both those characters i think they're doing a good job with their interactions you can tell especially like the sabine actress has been good but you can tell like of course dave's there you know um helping and whatnot but it just seems like um aman i think his name's aman the guy that mm -hmm. plays 
Ezra. You can tell. I feel like he's he had to have checked out some of Rebels because like just oh, yeah. Ezra's Ezra's mannerisms and stuff. He has them like nailed. Like it's literally like to me, it's like a one to one translation from animation to live action with his character. Yeah, it's definitely one of the best examples. I'll throw it over to Bo Katan as as another as yep. probably the first real good. Uh, Saw Guerrera, completely different character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lady oh. Bo Katan and Ezra Bridger. Oh my gosh! And they're both brought in by Dave, right? Dave had a large hand, I'm sure, in directing Katie Sackoff, same as he's doing, I'm sure, with Iman. So. Yep. Yeah, just just fantastic, but just the idea of his look of when the night troopers come, he's like, oh, I don't need a lightsaber anymore. I'm just that well attuned to the force. I imagined like he is like a, 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 you know, like a battle monk or whatever. Like he's wearing like these like tunics and stuff and he's just out there on the wayside of things and just using force kung fu essentially is what he's doing. Well well, he dropped the Yoda line, you know, the Force is my ally, or the, yeah. you know, because, like, he basically dropped the Yoda line from Empire Strikes Back, because Yoda says, like, the Force is your ally, you know, you don't need a weapon, like, when you're going into the cave, and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, and, like, he literally basically dropped almost the identical line talking about himself not needing a, a saber anymore, and it was such a, to me, it was such a daring move for Dave to go with Force Kung Fu, you know, like, like that's daring to do something like that, just because... If fans don't receive it well, like then it it doesn't work. Like you know, if it doesn't translate really well, it it will not work. And you know they they did a really good job with it, I think. And and I think you know again, that's like a bold move George Lucas would do. Like he would say, you know what, let's just let's try it. Let's give him Force Kung Fu. You know, okay. like the old movies, like the old the old samurai movies or the old Japanese movies. Like you know, give us a Force Kung Fu Jedi. Like I could see George Lucas like saying that. So like, you know, it was really cool seeing, um, you know, like you said, him fighting with just the Force and not a weapon. Like that was you know something we've really never seen. You know, do you know be done like that like say openly like of course we've seen yoda do it here and there like against uh dooku or whatever but then eventually he takes his lightsaber out like ezra doesn't take a lightsaber out at all in this yeah it's interesting like i wonder i'm wondering if he fused some kind of star wars martial arts whether he fused like Terras kasi or from knights of republic achani is a dueling form i believe for the unarmed mm -hmm. dueling form but like if you look closely i like uh, the amount of detail they put into like the choreography because like He'll stop, like, from hitting, like, a trooper in a chest, like, by a couple inches, and you can, like, see, like, the force shockwave from, like, his hand just, like, you know, expelling out of his hand and just, like, force pushing him. Like, like that. that's really fun there. I like that. But and then when he gets the blaster, it's just, like, it reminds me of, like, a Call of Duty killing spree or something. Like, oh. once he gets the blaster, he's, like, dead, 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 just, like, kill shot after kill shot, kill streak five times <laughs> oh yeah like like you said it was cool seeing him you know hey he still knows how to use a blaster like you know he's still good with it and whatnot so it's just uh i just thought it was a really really good sequence with him like and like you said the little details of you know him just stopping his hand right before he touches him and like you know force pushing him like that was neat um but yeah like i really i really thought it was like a well executed scene and you know Sabine Sabine's reaction of course was good too like because she was definitely surprised when he's like oh no just keep it I don't need it and you know I thought it was I thought it was really well played out between both of them yeah we have seen Force Kung Fu recently with Darth Vader right first seeing yep. third sister Reva using the force to just redirect her blade and we actually see a moment when Ezra himself does a similar thing against Shin Hati and I don't know about you, but I call it like this little flare of the lightsaber. It's a really cool effect. Like you actually see like a little bend of the blade by the use of the force, right? Like yep. a force uh, lightsaber is basically infused with the force, right? Like a kyber crystal is a living entity of the force. So it's interesting, like what would happen if you use the force on something that is so steamed up in the force? Well, that's what you happen. It's like polar opposites, uh, you know, pushing, repelling against each other like a battery or something. I thought that was a really neat effect. 
Oh, yeah. That was one of the effects that really stood out to me in this entire episode. I was like, man, like, you know, we've never really seen anything like that before in Star Wars ever. No. Nope. So, so it was really cool, like, just getting that concept put in there. And then, um, I, I can't lie, though. In that in that entire sequence with with Ezra, I was like, man, you know, this being like the the penultimate episode, you know, here's me in like my Game of Thrones head. Yeah, I'm like, dude, is Dave gonna just like do all this build up and tease all of us Rebel fans and basically be like, hey, Rebels fans, time to like get your character killed off here? Yeah, so I was like, dude, because because she singes his hair and stuff when she's fighting him, and it's like, holy smokes, like. I was I was getting nervous he was gonna get taken out or something in front of Sabine and it be kind of like Sabine's punishment for all the stuff she's caused or you know mm-hmm. so it was just like oh man I'm glad he survived because I was getting a little uh, anxious during that fight with Shin. I wouldn't I wouldn't think you're too safe too soon, Ben. Because oh I know well, well see th- <laughs> that's th- this is my thing that makes me even more nervous now going into the next one. I mean, how many times? I think he's. I think someone counted. He said he's ready to go home at least twice already, or something. And it's like, man, when characters are talking about going home yep. and stuff, that's when you get kind of nervous. Yeah, and I keep saying this: you got to make a Thrawn a, a really good villain. And so far, he's been, you know, talking like a villain, but he hasn't really acted like a villain yet. And I think to have him the power other be i think either sabine or ezra are on the chopping block and i think it's it would be even more tragic if ezra died right because like you go all the way you sacrifice so much you sacrifice so much to the point where you end up letting thrawn you sacrifice the galaxy you sacrifice how much weight is on her shoulders like if that happens if she doesn't if they obviously he's gonna get out that's going to be such a great character story for Sabine. I think in a future season or whatever iteration she shows up in again is all this guilt. So much guilt. Uh, does she just go into exile at that point? Because it's like, how do you even show your face around the New Republic or any civilized systems? Because you just, if you see the wreckage of what's happening out there, you just can't stop thinking that it's all your fault. Yeah. You know. I mean, if you if you think about it, man, if, if Hera was getting court-martialed for just going to a, you know, another planet or whatever and whatnot, like... Just imagine what they'll do. I mean, Sabine oh. could be like tried for like treason or something. Maybe I don't even know. Like, like, like just because it's like they, they, like you said, they're setting up that perfect like angle for Sabine, like to like deal with all that guilt and trauma and whatever. Like, because here's the thing to think about: what if um, I don't know where's where's the New Republic headquarters at this time? Is it on Coruscant still? It looks like they keep showing Coruscant. Uh, okay. You know, eventually it goes. To, well, actually, right now it might be in Chandrilla. Eventually, we mm. know it goes to Hazian Prime. It's like every couple of years they switch to a different capital somewhere else. Okay. Okay. Well. Well. Let's, for all intents and purposes, say it's like Coruscant. Like, what would be a bigger like character moment for Sabine than like, what if Thrawn? Because, like you said, you we know Thrawn's getting back. Because what else? What else would this be series be about then? Um, mm-hmm. But what if? I mean, what if they just blast back to our galaxy and instead of just coming to, like, the Outer Rim, what if Thrawn just, is, like, makes his presence felt, I don't know, they just, like, show up over Coruscant Oh, or my something. gosh. Like, like, like the Chimera, you know, boom, I'm Ooh. back, galaxy. Like, Dude. Like, like, I mean, that's just me throwing an idea out there, but I could, like, you could see Thrawn doing that, like, surprise the nation, basically. Especially since, considering that there isn't much of a Republic fleet anymore, if they were to do that, they, they're so arrogant right now, thinking that there's nothing out there. They don't have the they don't have the defenses, and we don't know what the hell the Night Sisters have been cooking up. Maybe the Night Sisters yeah. have a way of, you know, we've seen in Fallen Order, you know, how powerful Night Sisters can be. They can, like, make a ship go invisible. They can cloak an entire ship. They can teleport people anywhere around as we see in survivor yeah. so you don't know what could happen and and that would be talk about a way that that would surprise me as somebody who's who's already thinking about how this last episode is going to go of course i'm a star wars fan that's what we do but that would definitely score some points in a book for me if if, if thrawn 
did that and he like sacrifices Ezra like on a hollow kip. Okay, I think that's too I think that is yeah. too much for Star Wars to be able to Chris, do that. Going to Game of Thrones too dark. <laughs> if this was if this was Game of Star Wars, it would be that though. It's like, all right, your 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 hero of the rebellion is now gone. What will you do? You're powerless, yeah. your army is now ninety five percent gone. And I have see, an army of corpses behind me. <laughs> I don't know. See, that, that's the thing. I think either... I really think we're either going to get Thrawn doing a surprise attack or surprise thing like that, potentially, or it's going to be... Like, with how much they've been setting up Carson Teva, I didn't get a chance to mention it earlier but during the court scene, but, I mean, we're on it now. But I think if it's not Thrawn doing a surprise, uh, just a really surprise attack jump, which... You know, hey, if they take any inspiration from Heir to the Empire, that is kind of what Thrawn did, bounced around the galaxy doing, like, surprise-type attacks. But um, if it's not that, then I really think there's a chance, like, the chim that Chimera and ISIN bounce back into our galaxy, and maybe Carson Teva's out on patrol or something, and, it, and, you know, calls back to the New Republic, and it's like, red alert, red alert, like, he's back, or something, you know? Because, mm. because... I think with how arrogant, like you said, you, you made a really good point about that. With how arrogant the New Republic is right now, what better way to like crush their arrogance in this season than announce Thrawn is back at the very end of the finale? Like, mm. what happens if he like, just goes on like a recorded message for the galaxy, right? Kind of like what what Emperor did on an off-screen thing in Rise of Skywalker. He makes his presence known to the galaxy, and they're just like. Well, crap. I could see that happening. Like, Thrawn, yeah. I don't know what his angle is. I don't know. I mean, we've seen what Balin's skull said about him when uh, him and Ahsoka fight right before she, like, got knocked down off the cliff. Like, he's basically trying to wipe out the old vestiges of the Republic, burn it down, yep. and create something new. Um, well, before we get too sidetracked off the podcast, yeah. I'll, throw, I'll throw out one more speculation for the finale. Man, okay, let's say if all this plays out, we're going into way left field here on these speculations, but let's let's do it. We're here now. Um, what if we get back, we'll go off your idea, Chris. Thrawn's broadcasting his hologram to the galaxy, and like the final shot, you just see Thrawn's hologram talking, talking, and the camera zooms out, boom, and it's Luke standing there, and then it cuts, like seeing it. Like, oh. man. I don't know. But <laughs> anyways, though, back to our episode. Um... Yeah, I mean, all right. Uh, one so more thing, Ben. One more thing, Ben. Oh yeah, go ahead. That that's the end credit scene. Yep. And like Book of Boba Fett, they say Luke Skywalker will return in Skywalker Academy or so or something like twenty twenty five. It's like we never see this coming. Oh my gosh. And here's the thing. I would love. And, and and here's the thing. Not only that, it's an actual recasted actor that is playing him. And then we're, we're just sitting there like, what? And then they announced the name, like they did Book of Boba Fett, right as the screen turns black. And then you're like, oh, they got somebody new. And then we're going to spend like two years watching the scene and be like, is that going to be our Luke? Is that going to be our Luke? Is it going to pass for Luke Skywalker instead of Mark Hamill? Like, that's going to be the biggest discussion for years until the show comes out. But yeah, I think we're going a little far ahead. We're, we're doing pie in the sky. See, this is what happens when we don't have Milton on the podcast. When we don't have Milton on the podcast... We we talk about these things as if they're gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, Milton reels us back in. Somebody will talk for twenty five minutes. <laughs> we don't have anybody reeling us in at this yep. moment in time. But as, uh, as as Ken Knapsack says, we're not speculating responsibly. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. So back to so we were at like the um, Sabine and Ezra and Shin stuff. Yeah, I thought that was done really well. I thought also. I do like the Star Wars comedy ish that was put in the whole sequence. Like that, yes, felt, that felt George Lucas to me. Yes. Like the little the, the noty creatures like popping into you know. And he's like, no, get inside, you know, blah 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 blah. Like you know that whole thing back and forth that felt Star Wars to me. Oh yeah, the whole comedy bits. I'm I'm happy you brought that up, Ben, because I was I was actually going to go into that if you didn't already, but. Yeah, the, the, the funny things, like, it kind of reminds me of the Ewoks a little bit. Like, you know, these guys are using just, even Ezra says, like, or, or Sabine says, like, yeah, they're not really meant for this fighting or whatever. But, like, they're slingshotting, like, little rocks off of armor. You know, it's like, what the heck is this going to do? 
Um, just oh, fun, yeah. fun moments like that. Um, just that that slapsticky kind of comedy that you would see all throughout Star Wars. Like, it can't be super serious all the time. You got to have those moments of levity, even in moments of crisis. So, yeah, Dave Filoni definitely learned from the best, and we see that represented pretty well here in this sequence. Oh yeah, I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, it was cool getting to see like creatures in battle in Star Wars again. Like. That was neat, and uh, yeah, I don't know, it just, it was a really nice sequence, and like, again, you know, going back to how we talked about Thrawn's plan, like, you know, we're watching this as spectators, like, in awe, like, you know, just having a good time with this, and in the background right now, Thrawn's, like, basically packing up the, packing up the ship, getting ready to leave, so, mm -hmm. like, it's, it's great yep. that, like, you know, we're getting to witness, like, his plan playing out, like, literally directly in front of our eyes. Oh yeah, and by the way, I, I couldn't couldn't resist to just think about the battle, the some of the battles in Lord of the Rings, like the battle in Lord of the Rings when you have like the wargs attacking in the ambush in, in the two towers or something like that, like just those creatures that the bandits were riding on really evoked that kind of medieval kind of style fighting in Star Wars. That and it also kind of had like. The Rise of Skywalker kind of vibes with like, oh, they fly now. Yeah, they fly now. You know, when they're on um, Pasana and there's like the jet troopers flying and C-3PO is saying they're on the speeders. It had that vibe too, like a good old fashioned Star Wars chase scene with some funny dialogue thrown in the mix. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Like it just, um, you know, kind of checked your Star Wars chase. It checked your Star Wars tropes, really, you know, it, it did its job. Like it checked the tropes. Like, I like that they introduced, you know, Dave introduces new concepts like the Force Kung Fu stuff, but then he goes back to the stuff that, like, works for him, where it's, like, you know, some of your Star Wars tropes that people will connect with. Yeah, so another piece of this puzzle, you mentioned her off the top. We have a character that's new to Star Wars, and that new to Star Wars, and that is Shin Hati, and... The big choice that Sabine is uh, uh, Sabine and Ahsoka decide not to not to take her and not to kill her. It's funny, you know. I was watching this with with my mother, and you know, she's like screaming at the TV, "Kill her, kill her!" And she's like, "Why didn't they kill her? Why she's just defenseless?" And I was like, "That's not the Jedi way. That's not the Jedi way. They are not Sith." So yep. that that was yeah they had an opportunity to do something they let her go now now it's it's interesting because this character has kind of been a little bit untamed um, she's not had the usual training for a Jedi Padawan I mean simply put I think uh, somebody out there or you might even mention this to Ben Boken Jedi or something like that yep. yeah Boken I it, yeah I think it's called B O K E N. Mm -hmm. Like they're just the Jedi that are not trained in the temple. They're, you know, like Ezra, I guess, could be technically one of those. But the idea that she's a little bit impulsive, you know, she's kind of a little bit like Anakin. She's force choking Sabine and finally lets go when Balin tells her to, you know, stop. But, and the idea that, that Balin, and we could, I guess, in a way, talk about Balin as well in this whole sequence of like beforehand, just straight up dismissing her. Like, your path is not going to go where mine is. And like, it's kind of funny how they left things off, though. Uh, like, they've been together, I'm assuming, for years. And the way he just, like, dismisses her, like, without any kind of emotion, he's just like, yeah, we're not on the same path anymore. Uh, basically, good luck. Hopefully, uh, things go well for you. <laughs> and it's just yeah. separate their way. Of like, oh, that's, I guess that's his goodbye. Or at least as close as he gets to saying goodbye. Yeah, you see, like, that's the weirdest part about this whole thing. Because, like... Leading up to this episode, you know, clearly Balin's concerned about her and, like, all this stuff with Shin. And then he just, like, basically fires her and is like, hey, I'm done with you. You know, you can, you're good. Leave. Like, go find someone else to hang out with. And it's like, whoa, what in the world? So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where, where um, Balin's path goes. Like, like, Shin, I do think, though, since we had Shin... Like, basically, Ahsoka and Sabine, you know, pretty much, you know, it's pretty, I feel like it's pretty obvious. Like, it just seems like Shin's going to eventually turn good. Yeah. Um, but, but also, here's something to, to lay out as well. So, that shows you right there, you're pointing out about not the Jedi. Why, that shows you Ahsoka's a Jedi at this point in this series. You know, she's a Jedi. She's back mm -hmm. to being a Jedi. 
Um, because I think if this was Ahsoka from Rebels, like, who was literally trying to kill Vader and, and fight Vader and all this stuff, like, I think she would have just killed Shin, probably. Um, potentially. Like, just because, you know, at that point, she was just more in, like, the, the gray area of things. So, um, you know, I think we have, we have a character, um, moments, I think we have future character moments with Shin coming up. Like, I feel like she'll be with the bad guys and then eventually come back to the good guys. Um... But with Balin, it's interesting because it's like you go from Balin caring so much about Shin to basically like kicking her out of the out of the club, basically. And then now, where's Balin going? Like something's calling to Balin and it's like, what in the world is calling to him? It's like Dave could be going a million different directions with this whole thing because it's like it's like what could be calling to Balin on this on this planet and you know it's like it's there's so many mysteries like he literally talked about how it's like fairy tales and all this other stuff yeah. like that were told at the jedi temple and all this stuff so what in the world because because this is my thing like even going back to say the night sister stuff in like the fourth or fifth episode whatever you know the night sisters like morgan elizabeth basically telling balin like those weren't just stories those are realities basically like those things are real and it's like so so, uh, okay, do you get what I'm saying? Like, so Balin, Balin has heard, is hearing something call to him. And he thought these stories were fake. But the stories, if they're real, based on what Morgan Elsbeth said, if they're real, then what was in those stories that could potentially be calling to Balin? Like, what fairy tale creature or being or something could be calling to Balin that is in, at Peridia. Like, that's what I'm wondering is like, what in the world is going on here with Balin's character? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know there's a lot of stuff going around, um, about some Abelarth or some, I don't even know where people are pulling this legends creature out of the thin air or something, but people have it, ideas. It, uh, is it a, Ze it a Zepho? Apparently there's like Zepho writing from fallen order. There's this ancient force civilization that went extinct. Like, so that's one of the front runners right now. I don't know if they want to connect it to the game that closely, but yeah, I was I was gonna say the front running theories out there. You have the Zepho stuff, you have the Abloff stuff. The Abloff stuff has to like it connects to the Mortis stuff. I believe is what it is. I I don't know. I I don't. I'm not like the biggest expert on Mortis Mortis gods or stuff like that. But it has to connect with like that. Like it's the Abloff thing is like it's like a, I don't know, like a freaky force creature or something. I guess or something basically. Um, and then you got, um, of course you have, you know, the easy, like the easy one, of course it could be like Palpatine calling or something, but, but then there's also, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't know if Dave, Dude, Dave's, what if, if it's if, Snoke? I mean, maybe well, see, because this is the thing, though. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Snoke because, <laughs> because, well, because at this point though, Ray would already have been born. Or close to it. So, like, so that means Palpatine's clone should have already been an adult by now. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like, so that that's the only thing you got to think about. Because we're already, we're like seven years past Jedi or so, six years past Jedi. And Rey, unless, I don't know, unless Rey's only like 18 or something in Force Awakens, then, she, you know, it's approaching the time of when Palpatine's clone would be, would be an adult. So, oh, like, yeah. so, so, you, because the th this is the th this is my thing. I, I was really mathing this out. I was being like, uh, what's his name, Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind when he's writing all these formulas and stuff. Because if you think about it, if you think about it though, Palpatine's clone, for him to have had Ray with Ray's mother, Palpatine's clone would have had to have been born around the time or a little bit after Revenge of the Sith, like in yeah, that yeah, yeah, in yeah. that in that period. So this is the thing, like how. So I, I don't know if it could be Snoke because you have, you, you know what I mean? You have, I don't know, the, the times don't match up. So it's like you have the Snoke idea potentially, you have Abelos stuff, you have the Zepho stuff, you have, I mean, I don't even know. I've seen, like like I said before, I've seen people talk about the, you know, Dave could be taking Lucas's original sequel script of like, hey, oh. you, you know, like what if, what if, because the original one of what lucas's if? original drafts it's like luke was going out to the outer rim or the unknown regions to basically you know 
pretty much the exact mission Balin wants to do, because, you know, Balin openly talks about wanting to, like, basically end the cycle of good and bad and all this stuff. Like, that was literally Luke's intention. He wanted to go out and take out the Wills, so then it would end the cycle of the, the Sith and Jedi altogether. So it's just like, what if Dave adapted that idea to this show? Like, I don't know, it's just... With Dave, we don't know, because the thing is, like I mentioned before, even about the comedic stuff in this show, Dave has enough, like, guts to go bold with his ideas, you know what I mean? He has the George Lucas courage of, like, hey, I'm gonna go for it, and if the fans freak out, well, let's just, let's go with it. Oh, what about, um, what if he's finding where the Silamiri are? There's Oh, yeah, I mean, maybe even the Force. Yeah, I'll say the Islamari. Um, But, yeah, I mean, maybe they go with that because, I mean, that could that could potentially be a huge, huge thing. Like, there's so many options with Dave, um, with what Dave's doing with this show, and I am so fascinated. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Chris, we, we basically know Thrawn's getting back to the galaxy. Like, that's obviously going to happen, I'm sure. And then you have whatever happens with our good guys... But I think one of the most interesting story threads going into the finale is Balin's story. Like, what in the world? And you know, you know they're probably going to torture us and tease us, and it's going to be like, he's going to be the final scene, like, walking up to something and, like, talking to it, but we won't see whatever he's talking to or something. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be some probably cliffhanger, I'm sure, with Balin. Um, but man, that's like one of my, that's probably my most anticipated thing heading into the finale. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, we talked a lot about what's to come, but let's give our scores and final thoughts on episode seven, Dreams and Madness. Out of 10, I'll start things off. I will say I really enjoyed just the jumping around between the different perspectives of different characters in and out of the known galaxy there. Great action, great stuff we haven't seen before in Star Wars with this really cool Force Kung Fu, uh, aside from Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I like the, as we put it, the humor, the George Lucas kind of humor of the slapsticky stuff of, uh, what are they called? The Nati? Nati? Or Noti. Noti. N-O-T-I, I think. Okay, the Noti so having really great, like, the creatures versus the, the you know, the, the, the well-prepared soldiers and all that sort of thing. Getting to see, uh, getting to see another great lightsaber duel between Balin and Ahsoka, and Ahsoka using both her sabers this time around. And him having the shock of, oh my gosh, she's back to life again. Oh my gosh, you know. Uh, we'd even talk about the cool uh, trap that Thrawn laid in the beginning for the, the Purgle. And then like these depth chargers that were all planted around the planet. Now we talked about Thrawn, about, oh, we haven't seen him do much. Well, actually, I'll be corrected. He did prepare based on the Night Sisters that her arrival would be imminent. And because of doing so, he definitely delayed her quite a bit i would say oh yeah i mean he definitely delayed her quite a bit with basically like all the obstacles to get there and also you know talking about thrawn and ahsoka here for a moment um because we haven't really even got into this but i love thrawn's like <laughs> lars's reaction i don't know if like dave told him to like look su- like really surprised or something oh, yeah. but lars's reaction when he hears that you know anakin's her master his reaction is like Oh no, like here we go. <laughs> like, you know, like I loved Lars's reaction to that bit of information. Yeah, so I mean overall what I will say is this episode delivered on what it needed to do. Did it surprise me? Not not as much as it could have, I guess. And uh it didn't really get me hooked emotionally as some of the other moments in the series so far. So I'm gonna give this one a solid eight out of ten over to you, Ben. Yeah, for me. Um, I think it did its job as, like, the penultimate episode. Like, for me, it, like, you know, it checked off your boxes, like, to lead into the finale. Um, gave us some action, gave us some story, gave us some intrigue. I mean, look, we're talking about, like, what's going to happen with Balin, what's going to happen with Shin, what's going to happen with these characters. Um, so, overall, I think it did its job really well. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it's nice we only have a couple days until the episode. So, for me, I would say it's a another 9 out of 10. Like, it did its job its flaws like you know there were some some bits and pieces that i was like okay um like some of the pacing but you know those are almost more nitpicks than anything so for me it's a nine there you go we got a nine and an eight out of ten next week's the big week everybody can you believe it we're already here 
as of recording, we got like two days left for us over here recording on a Sunday night. So yeah, by the time this podcast comes out, unfortunately, if you're downloading it, you'll have already seen the final episode. So I know we talked a lot about speculation, but I guess it'll be a fun listen to you guys um, after the fact. Be like, oh, you guys were either totally spot on or you guys have a really cool alternate reality of Star Wars going on in the multiverse somewhere, if that ever exists, the world between worlds. But yeah, you can follow Milton at Milton Weber 7, I think, on all of his handles, uh, Twitter, Milton, Instagram. Milton Weber 7 on Twitter, and then Milton 7 Weber on Instagram. <laughs> there we go. we got to have that distinction. And Ben, you're at Real, Med Maynard, Real Ben Maynard still, right? Yep, Real Ben Maynard on all social media platforms. All right, and you can find me on the Star Wars Underworld Network YouTube channel every Thursday around 12.15 with my co-host Matthew Nagebauer talking about the latest in Star Wars comics. And, of course, you're already on this channel. Or if you aren't, you can look up youtube.com slash starraptor. That's my channel where you'll find the latest in comic book reviews and some other fun stuff from time to time besides watching our podcast live. We'll be live next Sunday talking about the finale join us around 7 p.m eastern like chris forsyth did for us here on the chat this week we would love for you guys to join us for this very monumentous episode because guess what guys after next week we can't even fathom or even predict when we'll be talking about star wars episodes again the good thing is the writer strike has ended luckily i'm happy everybody seems to be uh you know good with the resolution there with the writer's point of view so it's good they they got what they wanted, it seems like, and uh, now we're just waiting for the actors to get what they would like. So very much, uh, you know, pleasantly hoping for a good resolution. I think they're going to be talking tomorrow, actually, as of recording this on Monday, October 2nd. So by the time we might actually record this, we might have another monumentous uh, celebration of, hey, we're getting people acting again on sets maybe next weekend. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it all gets resolved. And any for anybody who's also still listening at this point just a little tidbit to throw out there if you didn't if you weren't privileged to be able to go to celebration this year take a look around the internet this week the full acolyte trailer leaked and it's looking really good i'm really excited for that show oh yeah i was lucky enough to watch that trailer two or three times the celebration and man oh man it's great seeing all those jedi again in one frame oh i loved it it looks so good yeah it looks so good um, but there you go for Milton, who couldn't be here tonight, for Ben, for I, I a.k.a. Chris, or a.k.a. <laughs> Chris, a.k.a. Starraptor. We're going to end things on a great note the same way I ended them this week. That's going to do it for us here on Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode 124. Thanks for watching. May the force be with you. End transmission. Good night, everybody. <laughs>